Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, is it not? It's a great day today to be out, to be out and about, to be at church, to be worshiping with the people of God. A couple things before we get rolling into the sermon today. Number one, so you guys get kind of a pass today, but not really because they're not in front of you. But I have a stack of connection cards in the back, and they ask the question, how can we pray for you? How can we serve you? Uh, So if there's a way that we can come around you this week, if there's a way that we can pray for you, if there's something that you need, please don't hesitate to fill out these green cards. Uh, I know I made it a little more challenging today, but they are still next to the offering box, which is back by the coffee this week. I keep keep it fresh. You know, you just got to keep it moving to make sure you guys are paying attention. But that's all in the back there. Uh, So make sure uh, if there's a way we can help you or serve you or pray for you this week, please do not hesitate. Uh, if it's your first time with us today, you already have one. You, you're lucky. You have one in your bag. But I just want to make sure everybody knows that that is available uh, to them. Oh, it's a good day. It's, you know what I love about being down here? There's a few things. One is, you know, we used to meet in the gym. So this is no different than how we used to do it. So that's cool. And keep in mind, there was a time when we met in my basement in my house. So this is a far cry from the basement. Because at the basement, Austin couldn't stand up and sing. It was too short. So this, these are good things. But also what I love being on this floor is this floor is where a lot of compassion ministry happens throughout the week and throughout the month. And so this floor is a very important part of the church building. The, the sanctuary is beautiful, and it's going to be, we're, we're doing some stuff, and it's going to be really great next week. But a lot of ministry, and I, I dare say the bulk of ministry that happens in this building happens here. This is why, like, this stage, we're still working on it, but we cleared the whole stage off the last couple of weeks because our, our ministry center that's right down the street on Boggs, it's all going to be there. And that's bigger than our storefront. And so we're going to stock that whole stage with supplies, with clothes, with things that people need so that when they come and they interact with, with this building, they know that not only are their physical needs going to be met through this, but we also want to make sure we're meeting the spiritual needs as well. Uh, So I I am kind of excited to be down here. In fact, this afternoon at 4.30, there's going to be a dinner right here. And this whole floor is going to be filled with people. And they're going to be able to have a hot dinner, totally free to them. And I encourage you guys, if you're in the neighborhood this afternoon, stop by, hang out. There's There's another group, Living Stones, that does a great job of serving. And all we have to do is eat and talk to people. Like, it literally gets no easier than this. So if you're around and you want to come just, just hang out with people and minister to people and just get to know people, come back at 4.30 this afternoon right here. There's just so much ministry that happens right on this floor. So I'm actually kind of excited we're here uh, just so you guys can see this because this is a very important part of the ministry that we do at the Well Church. This is a lot of the do something about it. The mission statement is love God, love people, do something about it. A lot of that happens right here. Um, so just cool things. A lot of cool things this week. It's been a busy week. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to pick up this week where we left off last week. We're walking through this series called The Cross. And so what we have done is we started with the Last Supper. We started with Jesus sitting back with his disciples and saying, one of you is going to betray me tonight. And all the disciples freak out. And they say, well, who could it be? Who could it be? And Jesus goes into who it was. But he says, let me, let me show you a good way to remember the sacrifice I'm about to make. And that's where we see the Lord's Supper. We see the bread. We see the juice. We see these things. And Jesus says, I want you to remember what's about to happen. And so from that moment, that's a Thursday night. All right, so if we're in the week 
uh, the, the Passion Week, if we will, we started our story on Thursday night. Friday is when he is crucified. And so what we're doing is we're walking through chronologically what happens in those few hours and the different accounts from the gospel of what happened. Because each gospel writer, there's four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have a different perspective that they're viewing this event at. And so what I wanted to do with, with this series is look at it from all the different angles. If you remember last week, we looked from Mark's perspective. I love the gospel of Mark because Mark is short and to the point. If there was a northern gospel, it would be the book of Mark. It is short, it's to the point. Mark says immediately all the time, and he says, this is the information you need to know. And it's great. I love the book of Mark. But we also looked at it from the perspective of Luke. If you remember, Luke, the gospel writer, was a doctor. So he added different details about the stories, about what was happening with Jesus. Last week we looked at him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was on his knees praying and crying out, Abba, Father, if there's another way, please let me do that way, because I know what's coming. And the Gospel of Luke recorded it and said that there was sweat, the blood was coming down from Jesus. He was sweating blood. He was in that much distress about what was coming. And so this is where we left off the story when he comes back to the disciples. If you remember, three times he found them sleeping. Three times. And yet Jesus still shows an incredible amount of grace and mercy and says, guys, but there's, this is still more to come. And so that's where we pick up uh, today. And we're going to be talking about the cross of authority. And we're going to be looking at it from the, the book of John. The difference between John and maybe some of the other Gospels, okay, they all tell the same story, okay? Don't, don't hear me say they tell different versions. It's all the same story. It's just different perspectives. You would tell a different perspective about something than I would if we saw it the same. We would just come at it from different perspectives. The book of John is the eyewitness account. John is the only disciple that was with Jesus at the cross. When everybody else had left him, including John left him that night too, he's the only one that saw him at the cross. So John's gospel is from a different perspective. Keep in mind too, John is a very young man when this is happening. Most places say he's probably a teenager when all these events are unfolding in front of him. And so there's all these different perspectives, but I really wanted to see it this morning from a perspective of a young man who has experienced what was happening to, to his teacher that he'd been with for years and what he saw and how that affected him. So if you have your Bibles, uh, it's, it's going to be on the screen uh, today. We're going to be in John chapter 18. I want to read verses 1 through 11. It says this, After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden. He, went, he and his disciples went in, into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. And when Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. And when he asked them again, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you I am he, he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. 
This was to fulfill the words that he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was, was Malchus. And at that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? With that, let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you, God, that we worship a risen Savior. God, that the things that we read in Scripture, Father, we know they are true, but we also know the end of them. We also know the end of this story. And we know that it ends with you alive in an empty tomb. And so, God, I I pray that we would see this morning, God, the great authority that you showed just in this passage. God, the great restraint that you showed. God, the great mercy you showed on Peter and on on Judas and on the ones that have come to capture Christ. Father, I hope that we see, God, that you had authority and you could have stopped it, but Father, you said no. Christ said, I am going to take the cup that has been given to me. So God, let us see the incredible, unending, Father, and and just unmatched love that Jesus displays in this passage. God, we thank you for the opportunity just to come before you this morning, God. Just pray you speak through your word, Father. Amen. Okay, you guys ready? So that's the story. So that's where we pick up. So I'm trying to give you guys some background as we go because I know I'm flipping Gospels on you, but I think it's really important for us to see from different perspectives what happened in the timeline. And again, if you want to read something really good on this, go download a chronological Bible app. They're free. It can be a little confusing unless you want it to be, if you're just reading from the time frame on, it's really helpful, I find, because you get all the perspectives and you see this is what's going on. So you see this, this passage here from John's perspective. And what I want you to see today is the authority that Christ had over the whole situation. And so the first point this morning is this. Christ's authority is shown through His words. So this is after they've, they've gone to the garden, they've prayed, and Jesus has come back and Judas is coming. So let's pick it up at verse 3. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and came here, uh, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they, re- they answered. I am he, Jesus told him. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. And look at this. Look at, this is what I'm talking about. Verse 6. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. The words that Jesus spoke brought them to their knees. Now, to give you more context, the the Christian Standard Bible reading today calls it a company of soldiers. Some Bibles call it a cohort. Some call it a detachment. Okay, there's a number associated with that word. Here's what the number is. One-tenth of a legion. Anybody want to guess what a legion of Roman soldiers, how many that was? 6,000... You are a community group. That's cheating. She cheated. She had the answer. 6,000 soldiers. So a tenth of 6,000. Quick warning, 600. Well done. Everybody drank some coffee. We're good. We have math teachers here. I'm right, right? I'm right. I'm good. Okay. Um, So 
up to 600 soldiers are showing up with Judas. Consider this for a moment. So many times when I think of this story, I think of just like a group of people that are going to arrest Jesus. That is not what showed, that is not who showed up for this. The, the priest had probably convinced Pilate and said, if, if you don't send me with soldiers, this could be really bad for you. Because Pilate's whole deal, and we're going to read about Pilate uh, next week, Pilate's whole deal was he wanted to keep the peace in the region. He was fine letting the Jews worship their God. Not a big deal. Romans were fine with that as long as there was peace and as long as taxes were paid. That's what Pilate's goal was. So, so when the Pharisees come to him and say, listen, this man is more dangerous than you think. This man is a troublemaker. I need you to send me with some guys. He sends him with hundreds of Roman soldiers. Consider that for a moment. Hundreds of Roman soldiers show up to get Jesus and his disciples. Sometimes we miss this in the story, too. If they're coming for Jesus, they're probably also coming for the men that were with Jesus because they would have been grouped with him as troublemakers. And so this is who shows up to come get Jesus with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Here you are as a disciple. Put yourself in their place. You've been going all night. You're at the garden. You just got reprimanded by Jesus three times for sleeping. And you don't know why he's so, he's so nervous. And you're not really sure what's going on. You know he's distressed, because remember we read that in the book of Mark, that Jesus told James, John, and Peter, guys, I, I am so just worked up about this. And you see Jesus so intense that he's sweating blood, and you're like, man, it's late. Come like, we're tired, Jesus. Can we just, and then, and then, out of nowhere, in the horizon, you see the glow. Put yourselves there. You see the glow of something coming. And you hear them. You're going to hear 600 soldiers. And you're saying to yourself, what is about to happen? What is coming our way? And also, where the heck is Judas? Because he left after dinner and we don't know where he went. But we're not too concerned about that. And then out of nowhere, you see the disciple that you loved like a brother for years show up with hundreds of people carrying lanterns, torches, and weapons. They did not think Jesus was going to go easy. The Pharisees had it in their mind that Jesus was such a troublemaker that they needed to go to this extent to bring this man and his disciples in. And Jesus, that's what it says in the Scripture, knowing what was going to happen, walks out to them and says, who are you guys looking for? What's going on? And what do they say? They Obviously, they, they, you know, they answer, Jesus of Nazareth. So what does Jesus say? Now, it's interesting here. If you, if you go to the Greek... The reply that Jesus gives is not, I am he. The reply that Jesus gives is simply, I am. Is I am. Now, let's go. I know we're jumping around here, but it's really important background here. Let's kick it Old Old Testament. The burning bush is speaking to Moses. We're going old here. We're going going way, way old school. The, The burning bush is speaking to Moses. And he says, who... Who am I supposed to tell Pharaoh's telling me all this stuff about letting his people go? What does the bush tell him? You guys remember? What does the voice of God say? He says, you go and tell him, I am sent you. I am. So the Jews knew that this was the term to describe the holy of holies. 
This was, this was not just a, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm present, Jesus is here. Jesus stands in front of hundreds of people that have come for him. Romans, Pharisees, officials, Judas. He stands in front of them, and without batting an eye, after they say, I'm looking for Jesus, he says, I am. There's some power in those words. There's some power in, in who Jesus was identifying himself as. He had done this earlier in John. If you go read John chapter 8, the last time he, he called himself this title, the teachers and Pharisees picked up stones to kill him because they said, you have blasphemed. You, you, are, you just called yourself God. So in the moment of greatest distress, Jesus walks out and says, I am. And this is what I mean when I say Christ's authority is shown through his words. What happens in verse 6? When Jesus told them, I am or I am he, translated in English, look, don't miss this. They, all of them, stepped back and fell to their face. Ponder that for a moment. Hundreds of people hundreds of Romans that may not have known anything about any of this, about the Jewish traditions or about the Torah or any of this, when Christ speaks in authority, the Romans fall down. It's an incredible story about the power of Christ right here. It's an incredible testament to His love for the disciples. When He speaks... Everything stopped. You know, a lot of times we think of Jesus and we think, man, he's just, he was a great teacher, you know, kind of maybe like a, a timid guy, a pacifist, didn't want much to do with conflict, just kind of was, was a good dude. And yeah, he was a good dude. But we forget that Jesus is God. And so when he speaks, he doesn't speak with the authority of man, he speaks with the authority of who God is. And this is displayed right here. Don't you think for a moment Jesus could have stopped all of this? Listen, if you can bring hundreds of Roman soldiers, these are guys that are trained to fight. Like These aren't just guys that happen to pick up a sword and a shield. Like These are warriors. If you can knock them down with your words, don't you think Jesus could have said, I'm not doing this? He could have stopped it all like that and said, we're not, we're not going down this path tonight. I'm going to end it right here. Jesus had all the authority in the world to stop the events that were coming. And he showed it right here. I would imagine this would freak the soldiers out just a little bit. This man, you don't know, for some reason the Pharisees have told you that he's dangerous and you walk up to him and next thing you know you're on the ground because he, he called himself God. There's a little nervousness in there, but, but we don't see Jesus stop this. We see Jesus identify himself clearly. Jesus never backed down from who he was. If you read throughout the Gospels, when the disciples come to him and say, we know that you are Lord and teacher and that you are worthy to be worshipped, Jesus never said, no, 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 don't worship me. He knew exactly who he was and in his words was the authority that he needed to stop it all, but he didn't. Look at John Calvin. It's not on the screen. It's going to be right here. I even had to kick it old school with the notes today. Not even the iPad worked today. John Calvin says this about this story in Scripture. He says this, This relates the great power which Jesus breathed with a single word. That we might learn that the ungodly had no power over him except so far as he permitted. 
He replies mildly that he is whom they seek, and yet, as if they had been struck by a violent hurricane, or rather by lightning, he prostrates them and puts them on the ground. There's some authority in the words of Christ. There is authority in the things that Jesus says. But also, what Jesus does. The second point this morning is this. Christ's authority is shown through his actions. So after he has dropped these guys to their knees, after this happens, he asks again, and they're foolish enough to answer him again. He says, okay, I just put you down, but tell me again, who are you looking for? <laughs> can, can you imagine the nervousness in these guys when they're like, um, Jesus of Nazareth, do you know? Jesus of Nazareth, they say again to Christ. In verse 8, through, through them says this, I told you I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was, and this is, this is John. John says this was to fulfill the words he had said, excuse me, when he said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Jesus' prayer in the garden. Here's your homework this week. Go read John 17. Jesus' prayer in the garden from the book of John is a prayer about his care for the disciples. His care for the ones that God had trusted in his care. And so he had just said, Father God, I have not given up one that you have given me. And so these words were ringing true in Jesus' mind when he stands in front of this crowd again and says, listen, if you're looking for me, these guys, let them go. Because I'm imagining the disciples are very nervous right now. They're accomplices to whatever crimes Jesus is being accused of. They know that whatever's happening, going to happen to Jesus is going to happen to me. And when the Romans get involved, that's when things get serious. Because the Jews weren't going to put you to death like the Romans would. The Jews could, but they couldn't do it the way the Romans could. And it had to be the way the Romans did because it had to fulfill Scripture. Isaiah 53 said it had to happen on a cross. It had to happen on the way that it went down. And so the disciples are nervous, and yet Jesus stands there, not only knocks them down with his words, he says in my actions, understand, guys, don't take, don't take these 11. Take me. Any punishment that you were going to dole out to these guys, it's on me. It's beautiful when you look at Christ's care for his, these disciples. The ones that God had given him. He said, not a single one will be lost. And these are the exact same men. Again, we give Judas a bad rap because he's the one that started this. But these are the exact same 11 men that in just a few verses are going to run and hide and they're going to deny Jesus. The very man who stood up for them and said, Roman soldiers, do not take them, do not punish them. It is me that you want. These are the same guys that in just a few hours from now, are going to say, I have no idea who Jesus is. As Jesus, and we'll talk about more on Good Friday, as he endures the suffering that that comes from being hung on a cross, because believe me, by the time you got to the cross, you were pretty messed up. There was a lot of things that happened before you ever got hung on a cross. And while he's enduring all this, he's doing this alone, because the men that he says, let them go, left him. What a beautiful picture of grace and mercy and God's care. 
You know, I think even in my life, you, you think about the times maybe personally for you when, when maybe you've walked away from God. When, when God has given you more than you could ever want. I mean, the fact that we get to sit here today and worship together, there, there are brothers and sisters that we have across the globe that don't have the option to go in the fellowship hall. That don't have the option to meet in a place openly and not worry about who's coming in the door. You know, we've been given all these things, and yet so many times in my life I find myself saying, God, thanks for the good stuff, but I'll come to you when it gets bad. Or when it gets bad, I say, God, I am so upset with you. Did you why are you forsaking me? How can you do this to me? This, I'm just being honest with you guys. This happens. And I turn my back in a moment, you know, God's very gracious. And I turn my back and, and say, look at me, look at me. And God still says, take me and not them. You want, a, you want a fun vocabulary word, phrase this morning? Here we go. Substitutionary atonement. This is the essence of what it is. Jesus says, I'm going to substitute myself for anything you were going to give to these men. Give it all to me. This is exactly what he did for us. This is what the cross represents. He said to the Father, he said, God, I know that the people have sinned against you. I know that they have walked away from you. I know that the same people that I'm dying for are the ones that put me on this cross in the first place. But take me. Take me. Because I am, this is Christ, I am the perfect lamb. I'm the one that can cover it all. He covered it all for the, for the Pharisees. He covered it all for the Romans. He covered it all for Judas. He covered it all for his disciples. And he absolutely covered it all for us today. It's the beauty of the cross. So not only in Christ's words is there authority, but there's authority in his actions because what happens when he tells the Romans to take me? They leave the disciples alone. I mean, he just brought these guys to their knees and they've been given orders to get all of Jesus' people and yet he says, guys, no, I'm going to change everything. Take me and not them. And they left him alone. And they listened to Jesus. They listened to Jesus. And the disciples were set free because of his actions. Such grace. And you see this and you say, man, what a beautiful story of grace. But for some reason, John didn't leave it right there. Verse 10. Another good example of, of Christ providing for them. We see a picture of a man who doesn't understand what is happening. Then Peter, Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, Jesus is very patient with Peter often. He says to Peter, put away your sword. Exclamation point, don't miss that. Put away your sword, Peter. And he says, am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Even in this moment, he's showing Peter incredible grace and mercy. Peter just witnessed all this and still didn't click in him. And yet Jesus knew that Peter was the one who was going to be the primary leader for the church that was going to be built. And the reason that we still meet today. And looks at Peter, put away your sword. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus could have stopped it all. 
He could have said, guys, we're not, we're not doing this. He could have said, take us all. We're all guilty. And yet what we see in, in Scripture is, is the authority of Christ that says, when, I, when he asked, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. And they fell down. And then he says, take me, not them. And even in the moment of hot-headedness, he says to his disciples, it's always a teaching moment, am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus knew what his, what his mission was. He was completely sold out to the mission that he had, he had been given, even though a few verses beforehand, the, the flesh in him said, God, if there's another way, can I please do that? Knowing that this was the only way. And so he's teaching his disciples, I have freed you for the moment because I need you to spread this good news. Such a beautiful picture of, of God's authority by preserving the disciples. These men that he had poured years and years in. He said, I'm going to take everything that you want to give them. Give it all. Give it all. When you think, when you think about that personally, it hits me because you think about the times that I think about the times that I've stumbled and I've fallen. Maybe, maybe you guys have, have stumbled and fallen, and if you're saying no, you're lying, which is a stumble and fall. And those moments when we are weak, Christ says, I'm strong. The moments when, when Peter was weak here and didn't know what to do, and so he grabs his sword and goes on the attack, he says, Peter, I got this. I got this. I'm strong for you in your weakness. When you are most broken, that is when my strength shines through the most. But yet so many times we say to ourselves, I can get through this on my own. And Jesus says, you don't need to. Just as Christ gave himself for the disciples here in the book of John, he gave himself for every single one of us that sits here today in the same way. He said, I know what they have done. I know what they're going to do, rather. I know the extent of the, the sin and the brokenness that is going to manifest itself in the people. And he says to God the Father, all of that, give me that too. I want it all. Because I know that I'm the only one that can take it. There was no person on earth that could sacrifice the way that Christ did. It had to be God. And it had to be the way that Scripture said it was going to be. And the only reason he did any of this is because he loves us. The only reason he preserved the disciples' lives is because they lo he loves them. It wasn't because they were going to bail him out, because they didn't. They ran away. But Jesus says, let me show you what true love is. True love gives itself for you. True love sacrifices so that they could know life. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And so I'll, I'll close it with this. There is nothing that the disciples did to earn this. There was no amount of healing that they, they performed in the name of Jesus. There was no amount of devotion they had to Him throughout the years. All the times they, they sat with Him and, and did all these things. None of that earned their place with Jesus. The only reason Jesus did this for them is because He loved them. 
And so in our lives today, I want to challenge you with this to, to, to encourage you, I guess, also to know that there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more or less. We live our lives saying, I don't want God to think less of me. Believe me when I tell you God knows exactly who you are. And he knows exactly what you've done. And yet still, he stands in front of the Roman guard and says, don't take them, take me. Yet still, he shows his grace and his mercy to people who don't even often acknowledge that it was given. That is love. And so I want to I share with you guys the hope that is in Christ today. You may have come down here this morning thinking, this is my last-ditch effort. God does not understand how bad I am, but somebody dragged me to church, and I'm just going to go, and we'll just we'll sit through the service. Understand that there is not too bad for God. Because when Christ died on the cross, He didn't say, I'm going to cover X sins. He said, I'm going to cover them all. So if you're here this morning and you say to yourself, but you don't know, I, right, I don't know, but God does. And I can assure you that what he said to the disciples here is the same thing that he would say to us today because he said it on the cross. Give it to me. I'm going to take it all. Christ had authority when he spoke, which is why his word has authority, which is why at the well we, we believe what this says because this has way more authority than I'm ever going to have. The authority is here because these are the words of Christ, but he also has authority in his actions. And he showed us this on the cross. So I want to encourage you guys with that. There is a great hope that is to be found in this passage. A great hope in knowing that the God that we serve, the God that we sing and worship, the God that we come to, had authority over it all. With a mere phrase, he brought them to their knees and still said, I have to do this for them. Because and only because, and there's no other reason, there's no other reason I can even begin to contemplate, the only reason is, is he loves us. Amen. And that's the hope and that's the beauty of the gospel. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence today. Father, remind us this week that you have authority and you have power over our circumstances. God, when we feel like all hope is lost, we know that in you there is hope. Father, there is nothing that we deal with today and tomorrow, this week, God, that you haven't overcome. Father, help us to believe and to live as though you truly do have power over it all. God, let us not be consumed with worry and doubt and things, God, that we can't control. When, when all you say, Father, is give it to me. God, let us give it to you. Father, let us be people who, who willingly and lovingly live in community with one another. Father, you have not called any of us to do this alone. So, God, I pray that we would first lean on you, but, God, that we would also lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, you would show us this week the way that you speak through different people. God, that we would come to your word. And God, not read it because it's, it's, it makes us feel good or we feel like we should. But God, that we would read your word
because your word has authority. That we can come to this and believe that this is true. And know that we serve a God who cares so much that he gave us his word. He gave us his word, God, that that he would take it on our punishment. He would take on our punishment for sin on himself because he loves. And so, Father, let us trust that today. God, let us stop believing the lies of, of Satan that tells us that we aren't good enough for you. God, we are complete in you. And this is the only place we can find completeness. So God, as we sing now, Father, let our hearts be turned towards you. Father, you are good. And God, we want to be people who live that out and believe that. We thank you, Father. Amen.